0: What is going on, hey, everybody? Once again, this is your friendly love, listen-to-himself talk. Page man from, coming at you with another po- cathartic podcast. Kind of got an exciting show. I'm really excited by this particular episode. Going to do a little talk about nothing. And then going to have a good friend of mine, Brett Kahn, IFBB competitor, physique competitor. You can... I uh, see him back, God, I think he was in Arnold a couple years ago. He is a doctor, not like a general practice doctor. He's a chiropractic doctor. He's, he actually, when I was seeing him way back in the day, he did wonders for my shoulders and my knees and my hips when I, had, when I was seeing him. So he's a good friend of mine. I look forward to speaking with him, hooking up with him and talking just about how he got into the business, how he maintains it. Cause he's a type one diabetic and hopefully he will be able to describe that a little bit more in detail for us. And so I'm really excited about this and I don't know how long the interview will be, but, uh, we'll just see. I look forward to it. So before we get that far, man, because he's still working, a <laughs> uh, couple things I want to talk about. I'm, uh, just recently, now we I went on a nice little Kansas State rant way back in episode one or two. And lo and behold, we talked about Bill Snyder leaving. About fucking time. And I don't know how they did it, but they did it. They kept his son from being the head coach. Which I don't know, again, I don't know how the fuck they did that. But congratulations to them. They went out and hired North Dakota State's head coach, Chris uh, Kleiman. Those of you who are football fans, who are college football fans, and not just, no, love my team, uh, no, I mean, real college football fans, you'll know that this guy continued the dominance of North Dakota State. I think they are in line for if they win out the next two games, they will win their seventh national championship in, what, a decade or some bullshit like that, which is fucking – I mean, just think about that. That is like Alabama dominance level. And the fact that he has been able to continue it after Coach Bull, Greg Bull, who was the North Dakota State uh, University head coach before he took the job at Wyoming. I mean, um, three, four years ago? No, oh, I remember four. You probably get more years than that. Because Kleinman if I remember correctly, he's won three. Bull was at North Dakota State until 2013, picked to Wyoming job in 14. So Bull wins three, B-O-H-L is the name, wins three national championships in North Dakota State. Leaves from Wyoming in 2014. So you look at 2014 to now, Chris Kleiman is the head coach at North Dakota State, and he wins three national championships at North Dakota State. And is on the well, I don't know if he's gonna be coaching, but is on the verge of winning the fourth. That's a pretty damn good hire, in my personal opinion. Really good hire. Now again, I don't know. I don't know if, if he's gonna be um, coaching the last game, last two games for the bison. It's bison, not bison, it's bison. I don't know if they're gonna let him do that. If they're going to say he's got to move on and go straight to Kansas State, I just don't know. I haven't seen anything yet, which is kind of getting frustrating. But I think this is a great hire for Kansas State. I think there was a lot of people on that short list. But, again, another coach that no one really expected. If you look at all those lists that came out, maybe one or two lists that no one saw that had. Uh, Kle- name on it. I didn't even think about it. I figured he would stay. I didn't. Maybe I saw it and just skipped over it. But I think this is a good hire. But I wonder. It. I, this is this is what I wonder. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. But I wonder. So Vol went to Wyoming with hopes of making Wyoming into. That next step, the Boise State, the San Diego State, other Mountain West, another one of those. i add three or four if you can't Utah State. He was successful w- one year with that, with Josh Allen at quarterback. But he really hasn't, I don't know if he's really been that successful after that. I mean, granted, they won the Mountain West two years ago. That's when Josh Allen. That's when Josh Allen was lighting the world on fire. That was when Josh Allen was fucking pulling a Brett Farr, having five fucking defensive linemen tackling him, and he throws the ball in the air, and somehow there's a wide open receiver <laughs> on sitting, standing there, picking his ass, having a picnic, and he can catch the ball and walk into the end zone. And then the next year,
1: eh.
0: Josh Allen kind of turned into oh, was he? What happened? But then he was drafted this year, and it's kind of gone up and down. And you got to remember, he's he's a Buffalo man. Buffalo's a tough place to be right now. <laughs> so my point being, if you look at uh, Greg Craig Mole, he has. A, a .444 winning record. That is a 28-35 and 35 record right now. Look at the success he had at North Dakota State. He so far has not been able to translate it into success at Wyoming. So far. And he took over for Dave uh, Christensen, who has one less win. Same, uh, loss, same amount of losses, but one less win. Now, I don't know if, if Dave was fired or if he left. I know he was suspended for a little bit, way back in '12, I want to say. But he finished up his record with 27, twenty-seven thirty-five. He finished off. That, that was his record at Wyoming, twenty-seven thirty-five. And you have Bowl over there who is twenty-eight and thirty-five. Granted, Bowl, Bowl hasn't been suspended for a game. We're going on a tirade. <laughs> so again, my point being is, can Chris go into a place at like Kansas State? We had uh, Snyder has success, but he hasn't had success recently. And no one, I don't know why. Is it just because of how old he was that people didn't want to commit to him? Was it because of the drama that was going to go on at Kansas State? Because there has been drama there. Because he wants his son to take over the head coaching position, but his son has very little head coaching position. Actually, has no head coaching experience. Was a coach of special teams, and he wanted him to be promoted from special teams to head coach with no other coaching experience, minus Kansas State. To my knowledge, from everything I've read, is that why no one, no one went there. i mean, I do if they did, or I think he might be. He might be a senior. They did have all-American offensive lineman. Kansas State has been known to have those. Tough, rugged quarterbacks. I mean, the quarterbacks Egan is fucking smash, and they're gonna get up. They're old school quarterbacks. And can, is he gonna be able to recruit there? Is he gonna be able to have more success than his predecessor at North Dakota State? That's my question. That's what I, I wonder. Yes, he knows how to recruit that area. Yes, he. Knows how to um, bring in those players, those zero-star players, and make them into something special. It's doing that North Dakota State. All due respect, Kansas State is not North Dakota State. Kansas State, you have Oklahoma. You have Texas. You have Oklahoma State. You have Iowa State. You have Texas Tech. Texas Tech's had a couple bad years. It was exciting, though. This isn't like going into... The Mountain West, where you have to compete with Boise State and San Diego State, and everybody else is kind of up and down. Well, not Fresno State, I should I should add Fresno State into that list? But Fresno State is a recent phenomenon. Phenomena since the Carbro's brothers left. So can he have success at Kansas State? I, I, my original answer is yes. My original feeling is yes. But as I look back at his predecessor. Craig Bull and the fact that he had one, maybe two years of success at Wyoming, and he's been there for four years now. I think right now we're going to see how good Bull is because this is coming into this year, this coming up season, to my knowledge, it's going to be all his recruit class. There isn't going to be that hangover, not hangover, there isn't going to be that leftover from Dave Christensen's recruit class. This is now all his. And we're going to see if the building process is now going to show some fruit. Now, did Kansas State underperform the last several years? I don't know, probably. I don't know what their um, roster looks like. But I know it has been pretty. But I also know you have seen life when they played Iowa State and forced Iowa State to have a comeback. Granted, again, Iowa State then struggled the next week against uh, Drake. <laughs> Not the shitty rapper, the college. So I was wonder how much of that was just a worn-down Iowa State team that had been playing magnificent all year long against Oklahoma, against West Virginia, against Texas. And it's finally their death wore down. I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering that. So this hire by Kansas State, congratulations. I'm I'm actually glad they went a direction that, from what I've read, is not what Bill Snyder wanted to go. Now, I'm not talking – well, I am talking bad in Bill Snyder. The reason why I'm talking bad in Bill Snyder because he went from a magnificent coach who I, got, who I didn't like but I respected. Again, I'm a Nebraska fan. Big 8, Big 12 – Big 6, Big 8, Big 12 <laughs> – But this, could, like, like the last episode. I don't like the Raiders. I hate the Oakland Raiders in the NFL. But I can speak non biasly about them, and I could speak non-biasedly about Bill Snyder, even though I wasn't a huge fan of his. But the last crap that has come up from Bill Snyder a couple of years, uh, two, three years ago, okay, would be a couple years ago, you have the man who won the transfer, and Bill said no. I think it was because of a, a, a family issue. His mom was sick or something. If I remember correctly. He had this issue with his son. Rumors coming out that he's not going to step down unless his son gets to head coaching position. His son is coached at one spot, one spot only. Matter of fact, he's been at Kansas State. This is this is his son's name. It, it, it is Sean Sean Snyder. He might be a great guy. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and talk shit on him. But let's face it. You graduated from Kansas State in '92. Two years later, you're an assistant at Kansas State from '94 to 2010, as an assistant. This is straight up assistant, from what I'm reading. You were an All-American punter. That's punter. Punters have some significance. And then in 2011, you become the special teams coach. <clears throat> And the honorary title of assistant head coach. How the fuck do you have the honorary title of assistant head coach? What the fuck? And now you're expecting, you are expecting, because your dad is basically runs Manhattan, Kansas, and so is your family, to get the head coaching job. And all the drama that I've read about, that I've heard about, that I've listened to, About how your dad isn't going to step down unless the university can guarantee that you are going to be the you are the head coach in waiting. Now you might be a good head coach. As a matter of fact, you won two special team coaches of the year awards. Congratulations! And you won the special teams coordinator of the year in 2015. Congratulations! If I'm in charge of a program, I want somebody who I know has experience in other areas, not just special teams. Because let's face it, special teams—you play ten plays a game, maybe. If you're Alabama, you play ten, and they're all a kickoff and a kickoffs and PATs. <laughs> if you're Alabama. My point being is go on and get some experience. Go somewhere else and get experience. To me, it looks like you're riding off your dad's coattails. Oh, my daddy's the head coach at Kansas State, so I'm going to stay here so I can be the head coach when he retires. Go somewhere and get fucking experience, man. Look at all the great coaches. They have had stops everywhere. For the most part. There's probably some exceptions out there. I can almost guarantee they weren't the special teams coaches. Almost. I'm not going to sit here and say guarantee. No, go to fucking the Pac-12. They need coaches. Go to the SEC. They pay their coaches. Get some experience, man. Fucking Saban loves hiring coaches. Go down and hang out with Saban for a year. Get experience in Alabama for a year, man. Shit, you put, that, you put that name tag, Saban, on your resume, you're going to get a head coaching job somewhere. Look at all the coaches who have been hired so far this year. Not all of them, but the majority of them, they have a, a tie to Sabin somewhere. <sighs> Fucking people. You're 49 years old. Come on. Go out in the world. Coach somewhere else. Get some experience. And then, if climbing struggles... Throw your name in the hat and go. Hey, see, you should have hired me. I mean, Cladman's only two years older than you. <laughs> fucking hell, man! Go to Kansas State. Or go to Kansas. Go to Kansas. Unless Miles retires or moves on to the next job, <laughs> you probably, you'd probably be fucking your, your family would be uh, <laughs> escorted out of Manhattan if you did that, maybe. I don't know. But point being, go out and get some experience, Sean. Get something else besides a given the head coaching uh, assistant head coaching title. Now I'm not in the program. I'm not in. I have n- I've never been to fucking Manhattan. I don't know if I've even driven by Manhattan. Maybe I have. But I'm gonna tell you. For someone on the outside looking in, someone on the outside looking in, it looks like you have been given fucking everything by your daddy. It doesn't look like you fucking worked for it. Now, granted, you do have three awards, all special teams uh, oriented. But from the outside looking in, it looks like you have been given everything by your daddy who runs Kansas State football. Who I've said before in the past, before in the past, same thing, who I've said in the past, I feel like he's a snake in the grass. I respected him, and then I've heard stories, and I've read stories They could just be rumors. I could be wrong, but when you hear it enough, usually there's some sort of credence to it, credibility to it. Maybe not full credibility, but some credibility. So Kansas State goes out to hire Chris Kleiman. Congratulations to him. I think it's a good hire, but I wonder if he is going to have the success here yeah, at North Dakota State because we see what happened to Wyoming. Craig Bull had great success at North Dakota State. And it's kind of been struggling in Wyoming. But this year I think it's going to be the or rake year for Craig because this is year five of his tenure, I believe. And we're going to see just – this is year six actually. I apologize. This is year six for him. So we have. To, we're going to see what happens. I don't. I don't know. I just don't know. I wish I knew better, but I don't. I um, his time Mount, in the Mountain West at Wyoming. His first year, he was tied fifth in the Mountain Division. There's Mountain and Pacific, Mountain. Yeah, there's Mountain Pacific Division for Mountain West. Uh, let's see what is his record. Let me just double. So, in his first five years, or only five years, at the University of Wyoming, we have first year, four and eight, he finished two and six in, in conference, second year, two and ten. Now, two of his wins were in conference, third year, they won the Mountain West title against yeah. San Diego State. Uh, 2016, we went eight and six, six and two in conference. They lost in the Fiesta Bowl, which is now a defunct bowl game. Uh, they beat they had lost to BYU. Lost to BYU by three points. The next year, now that that, that 2016 year, it was Josh Allen. That's when he was flying around, be doing his Brett Far thing. The next year was the senior year for Josh Allen. They went eight and five. Five and three in conference. Uh, the Boise State, I think, won the uh, conference, the North or the Mountain, the conference that year, and then went off and they they won the famous Idaho Potato Bowl against Central Michigan. And then this year, this past year, I don't think they ever made a bowl game. They finished season six and six, four and four in the conference, but I don't think they made a bowl game. I don't see them. I remember seeing them on the list and making bowl games. So you see a peak, and you see a small little dip for Craig. Uh, I hope it doesn't continue. I like Wyoming. I definitely like Wyoming. I still like it when they play San Diego State. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and lie to you people. I, yes, I have biases. I have teams I enjoy and teams I root for. and Those teams I don't like. I think I've discussed that several times. <laughs> But I gotta also sit here and be subjective. And I'm biased as much as I can. So I'm gonna see what happens with you. Kansas State, we're gonna see what happens with you. It's gonna be fun to watch. And I have my hopes for some of these teams. And I don't have my hopes. Now, we'll give credit where credit is due for Bill Snyder. He started 1 in 10, very first year is 1 in 10 in the Big Eight. 1 and 10. Then it's a slow climb. And you look out, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He has eight double digit win seasons at Kansas State. Middle of nowhere, Manhattan. He has eight. He has more double digit win seasons than he has losing seasons. By well, one, by the way. He has eight double digit win, winning seasons and seven losing seasons. This year being one of them, five and seven. So, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bad coach. I, 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 you can't. Look at what he's done at fucking Manhattan, Kansas. Now, can Kleinman continue that? And that is the question we're going to see. One, three, six, 9, 12, 15, 18, 19 bowl appearances. 19 bowl appearances he's been in. That's not bad at all. I mean, granted, he ended up a year of three-shaped bowl losses, but. mean, look, at the, there's some good guys that came out of there, man. I mean, uh, Venable, defensive coordinator at Clemson, he played linebacker for him. Mike Stoops at Arizona, Bob Stoops, former Oklahoma coach, or Arizona, was Mike Savispe at Arizona. Rex Ryan. Mark Mangino, if you don't know who Mark Mangino is, he was the last successful head coach at University of Kansas. Brett Bielema, Jim Levitt. I mean, there's some coaches. That's just, that's just who coached underneath them, who were assistant coaches to him. That's a pretty nice uh, list there. It's all American. Chris Canty. I mean, if you don't recognize that name, you don't. You haven't played. You haven't been playing. Changes in the NFL, which I don't. Uh, Darren Sproles, little fucking firecracker. I forgot who's with. Is he with? Uh, is he with? Um, the fuck's he with? He with Philadelphia now. Colin Klein, quarterback. I mean, that kid was tough as nails. I remember watching him play, and his he looked like he was put through the ringer after every game. I mean, there's some names on here that played for them. they were all Americans for So I'm going to finish this little part of the episode with this. Congratulations to Bill Snyder. You've had one fucking hell of a career. 215 wins, 217 losses, and only one tie. Only one fucking tie. Way back in 93. I think uh, NCAA did away with ties in the mid-90s, I want to say. Maybe late 90s congratulations to a magnificent career I think it's time for you to retire 215 117 and 1 conference record of 128 89 and 1 congratulations you had a magnificent career you definitely belong in the hall of fame in my personal, unhumble opinion, I think there's some stuff in there that's always going to stain your legacy with me. But you are—you were a great coach. Numbers don't lie. You were a magnificent coach. And with that, my hat is off to you, and I respect that. I can't do anything but respect what you did at a place like Kansas State. So that's my rant and rave by Kansas State. Up next, a good buddy of mine, Brett Kahn. I have BB, uh, a competitor. I've said his name several times. We'll be talking with him. Uh, hopefully my system will work. Uh, and yeah, look forward to this first guest ever. I'll be right back guys. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Paige once again. I am super excited, beyond excited, to have early good friend of mine on the other end of this, Mr. Brett Kahn, IFBB competitor, physique competitor. I've known you for five, six years, if not a yeah, little long longer.
1: Yep, yep, all that long.
0: I think even before you started competing.
1: So- yeah, I don't even think I had even considered stepping on stage yet at that point. I was just Mm-mm. trying to get my practice up and going.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you had maybe been in Charleston for a year, maybe, maybe when you had the spot of uh, second floor.
1: Yep. Yep. I was at the original office and I was only there for a year and a half. So it had to be within, I've been here almost seven years now. So yeah, I had to be within that first yeah. year, year and a half.
0: God, time flies. So first off, thank you for doing this. I know I always give you shit about shit. So the fact that you're a good friend tells me that I'm giving you enough shit, apparently.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: But you're, you're, to me, your story is interesting just from this knowing you. You're an athlete in high school. You went to Michigan State. You were a dual athlete. Uh, you also did track and field, if I remember correctly, along with football?
1: Yeah, I just did um, track for like a year and a half. Um, and then it's just at that level, it's so competitive. That's very difficult to do both. So um, between like trying to fluctuate my weight up and down, I just stuck with my passion, which is football okay
0: um I don't have a general idea of when you went there I know it was before D'Antonio or I think you were there your senior year was D'Antonio's first year or something like that
1: absolutely yeah so my last year I've been playing our bowl game 2007 so you know I was there for you know four years prior we had John L. Smith originally and then coach D'Antonio came my senior year and um Really turned that program around. I, I wish he had been there the, the whole duration because he's just a great guy and an even better coach. And
0: who who was who was in front of you on the depth chart? Do you remember?
1: Is it um, still a sort of yeah? I mean, probably our our most standout back that ended up um, spending quite some time uh, at running back in the NFL was Javon Ringer, and he okay. played behind um, played for the Titans behind Chris. Um, what's his name? Real fast dude.
0: Yeah, yeah, the 2,000-yard guy from several years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: He, was, he, was he awesome ran cool. like
1: a 4 a four two one or something, 40, something crazy.
0: Yeah, some unguily like that, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, you know, I'm a college football guy, so we can talk about that until I'm blue in the face and you're fed up with me finally. But <laughs> I think what's really interesting is uh, you had said earlier that you started your practice before you started competing. But even in that time frame – you, if my memory serves me correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when you were at Michigan State, that is when you started feeling kind of weird. Your body was eating itself, and you realized you were a type 1 diabetic.
1: Yeah, I knew a- um, I knew something wasn't right, and I knew that, you know, I didn't feel the same. I was lethargic. Um, I was eating more than I had ever eaten, and I was losing weight um, pretty consistently, um, I was getting sick real easily and my, my body essentially was just was shutting down on me and I and I didn't know why and um you know, we, we did some tests and things but I you know, I it found out and it wasn't until like after that very last game when I um I mean I could barely run like twenty yards without being winded, which is just crazy yeah. to think about now um, what I what I kind of put up with or put myself through. But um, you know, it's college football, you do whatever it takes. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until shortly after that bowl game. So it was probably like, from end of my junior year, all the way through my senior year, what was happening was my pancreas slowly stopped um, making insulin and insulin is what transports the nutrients or your bloodstream, um, into your body. So majority of what I was eating wasn't being absorbed, floating around the bloodstream, high blood glucose, um, type one diabetes. Um, so that was the diagnosis, uh, shortly after my, my senior year.
0: Okay, so it, was, oh, so it was your senior year. For some reason, I thought it was earlier in your college career. Well, I that I was you...
1: sick. I was sick, um, you know, my junior and senior year. Um, but I was playing through it. For example, okay. like with my blood sugars the way they were, and me unknowing what was going on, I thought maybe I had cancer or something actually.
0: Oh, shit.
1: I, um, I might do like two, three sets of bench and then – you know, I wasn't like winded or tired or anything that was like too strenuous, anything that I wasn't used to, but I would feel like I was about to throw up. Sometimes I would throw up um, and I just kind of hit it. You know, my weight was dropping. I would weigh in, you know, we had to weigh in be- before every workout. I'd put weights in my pockets so that my it didn't look like my weight was dropping and, and just just crazy stuff like that um, until I got to a point that, you know, I was it was so bad that, you know, I could barely get around and, and I was basically just you know, steps away from being a diabetic-induced coma with you know, blood sugars of almost 800 when I was in the hospital. And normal is between 80 and 120, so like eight times normal. My God. Yeah.
0: yeah I think I have, uh, stumbled upon a picture of you today. I think it is an older picture. Um, it was on your Instagram, on your uh, uh, professional Instagram, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, you put a side-by-side picture of – you when you're in college with right before you knew you're type one and then you today. Yeah. And yep. I mean, even if you didn't have type one, it would still be a huge difference, I believe. But you really didn't look healthy in that before picture. Cause you were super skinny. I don't think I've ever known you being that skinny. Yeah. Cause you're still yeah. built when we first met.
1: Yeah. I was, I was gone. And, um, I mean, there was, there, was, you know, like I was losing, not just fat, but I was losing muscle. I was losing everything. And, uh, you know, prior to that, it's like, you know, your freshman year, you know, sophomore year, junior year, you get a little bigger, you're a little stronger, a little bigger, a little stronger. And then it was all of a sudden like weaker, smaller, weaker, smaller, weaker, um, which is not the direction you want to go when you're running, you know, full speed down the field, running into 300 pounders.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. Now, was, what was the mental drain like for you, especially after, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was pretty draining during it but when he found out what it was, was there kind of an angry reaction in your head or was this just kind of, okay, this is the next step. What do I have to do? I mean, where, where did you go mentally? I, I can kind of see you kind of going dark or, or angry or scared during the process. But yeah, after no, the process, no
1: it, it's, interesting because, it it's interesting because, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a grave diagnosis and a lot of a lot to take in at once um, and a lot of responsibility out the gate. But with me, I mean, I had felt unlike myself and felt, you know, sick and off for so long that um, I just wanted an answer. You know, I just wanted to know what the hell was going on with me. And it could have been a lot worse things. Like I said, like you know, I'm thinking like, all right, I'm some sort of cancer or something, and I'm kind of like hiding it and just hoping something would change without doing much anything. So um, I was, I was, if anything a bit depressed and thought and like i didn't love football anymore and i'm in a slump and like most of the negative stuff that i had to pull myself out of um was during that time um, but i fought through it and i you know, didn't miss class i kept trying to keep my grades up nice. you know made you know didn't miss a single practice didn't miss this single lift like you know that's just what you do at that level um so when i was a diagnosis actually a big relief and a weight off my shoulders because it um, it gave me an answer. And I said, okay, you know, there are things I can do to manage this and take care of it. And um, I felt confident I could. So it was nice. kind of a positive thing. You know, I tried to look at it that way, I guess. Yeah. Nice. Well,
0: <clears throat> so, I mean, I think, I shouldn't say most people, but a good majority of people will probably go into, oh, crap. No, this is, my whole life is changing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. negative
0: side of it but at the same time I can see you said you were sick for over a year roughly yeah junior senior years yeah. if not more than a year and I guess having that answer and luckily I guess it wasn't as bad as worse things like you said that you could have such as cancer or leukemia and shit like that I mean type one you can manage it and survive and live a normal life I mean, or even a non-normal life like you fucking being a doctor mm-hmm. and chiropractor and a fucking <laughs>
1: yeah i mean like ab, it, uh,
0: like abs
1: asshole <laughs> yeah some of that is you know hard work and some of that's luck in genetics but um no i mean there definitely was psychological battles and stuff too because you know i knew how i felt but at the same time you're like well what's the public perception what are people going to think when i pull this thing out and you know squeeze blood out of my finger and check my blood sugar and take this needle out and check my leg before i eat you know every time and I, you know I, I'm going to have to explain this. And, you know, it just, that was the stuff that went through my head. So like early on, I would kind of like, you know, hide it or shy away from telling people, um, not voice my story as much. You know, if I was out to eat with a group, I just kind of go to the bathroom and do it. Um, And, you know, it took a little time to to get over that, I guess, uh, psychological barrier. About
0: how long did it take you to do that?
1: I would say it probably took me like two years or so, um, you know, so I felt really comfortable. I mean, everyone always made me feel comfortable and like they didn't care. And, I mean, there may be a few people that had a little squeamish if they see a little bit of blood, but um, but you know, for the most part, everyone was so supportive that um, it was cool to see uh, people look out for me and, and have my back when uh, what I did open up about it.
0: Nice, yeah, I think I remember I didn't know you were Tab 1 for the first probably year or two that we knew each other, and then I think we went out to lunch or something. And you pulled out your pen yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to give yourself insulin and went, Oh, you're type one. Yeah. When, yeah, you didn't know I'm like, No, I don't fucking yeah.
1: clue.
0: <laughs> You know, but you're talking, no, I've- my whole family is that type two, type two. Mm-hmm. And I was type two when I was a hell of a lot bigger. No. I'm, t- I'm lower, smaller now, so it's manageable. So I don't take any medication for it. So luckily, I guess I had some sort of education, some sort of slight background with it. Um, even though looking at you, because you, as long as I've known you, seven years or so, you've always been uh, fit, or aesthetic, aesthetically fit. Yep. Um, So type one never crossed my mind, but the second I saw you pull that pen out and put in your leg, okay, you're type one. And, and I did think just because of my experience, watching my grandfather have to inject himself because he was type mm-hmm. two, this is one of those, he was like, okay, he's type one, cool. Didn't expect it, but knowing what I know about type one and type two, I can see it. Yeah, and not everyone really
1: understands the the variance or the difference in, like, the the physiology behind it. You know, where type 1 is your your pancreas just stops making the insulin. And type 2, typically you lose sensitivity to your body's insulin. And that can be, you know, at a variety of different levels. Um, And if caught early enough and you're proactive enough and, you know, you get it on top of the diet and exercise thing, it can be reversible. Now, if it's so long-standing, or unfortunately, you know, drugs like metformin and stuff increase insulin sensitivity, but they also increase fat storage and increase fat storage decreases insulin sensitivity. They need more and more and more. And then it can get to the point that it's almost you, you can't get out of it. You're not giving yourself a fighting chance. So it's, um, it's kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: No, that makes sense. It's- like you said there's there's a difference the kind of the same boat there is a difference and just because you don't look like you're overweight doesn't mean you don't have diabetes I mean in your case usually just type one <clears throat> excuse me and usually if you're bigger like i i was and my family has always been we got type
1: mm-hmm. two yeah yeah that's um, a problem yeah
0: i think more educations out there that uh, for this for the world to know is a great thing to have and It's not, there's no stigmata around it. I I don't know, not stigmata, that's the wrong phrase to use. Yeah,
1: there's some, there's some, um, you know, misconceptions and stuff about it and like how it's managed. For example, a lot of times in type 2, because not everyone takes insulin in type 2, they should watch how much sugar and how many carbs they take in. Um, Now, since my pancreas doesn't make insulin, I just calculate what I'm taking and then inject for it. So oftentimes people are like, "Are, are you, can you eat that? Are you sure you can eat that? And I'm like... Yeah, I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> I just have to take the insulin for it, you know? So it's not. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that you can't have sugar, you can't have carbs.
0: Okay, okay. So, yeah, because you're, like you said before a couple times, now that you know, your pancreas stops making insulin. So you're just injecting yourself with insulin. So you're still able to have a quote unquote normal diet, yeah. I guess. You can eat the stuff you want to eat. And you don't have to cut back, like type two, they really have to watch out for the you know, sugars and the carbs. And
1: yeah, because if they're not type like two insulin dependent, then you know their blood sugar is just gonna continue to rise because you don't have the insulin to keep it in check. Whereas in my case, what my body would normally make is just supplemented synthetically with um, you know, a longer, short acting insulin. Yep.
0: Okay. Now, after you got out of Michigan State, um, I forgot the name of the school you went to in Atlanta. Yeah,
1: uh, Chiropractic University. It's the largest Cairo uh, university in the nation. It's called Life University. Um,
0: there we go, yeah. They, have, they actually have a rugby team. I've watched them play rugby last yeah. year. Ruby yeah, that's
1: 7. a lot of people know for the rugby team. I mean, they've been like uh, a national powerhouse in rugby and actually recruit people from all over the world. So it was kind of cool to have that on campus. It's definitely unique.
0: Nice. Yeah. You know, ugly lime green uniforms, but yeah. you can't win them all. Right. <clears throat> so what got you into chiropractic work? What, what is what you woke up one day when I, I want to be a chiropractor? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a chiropractor. What got you into doing that? Yeah.
1: Um, originally, I, I kind of was going to go, you know, the business route, um, maybe MBA or something. Uh, but I'd always been intrigued by the human body and biomechanics and, and physiology. I started looking into you know medical medical field, dentistry, that sort of thing, and I was um, actually riding with a buddy of mine who was our punter at Michigan State, and he was, you know, just, we were just talking, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, go to chiropractic school after this, you know, my dad's a chiropractor, it was a big practice in Ohio, and and I don't know why, it just hadn't crossed my mind um, until then, but when he said that, it just kind of clicked, because I had had great experiences um, with chiropractic in the past. I had um, jammed my neck, playing football, and we had a, a chiropractor we would use, and then my dad had a back issue, so I, I kind of saw how it could could benefit those things, and it just it just made kind of sense to me and intrigued me and it was interesting to me. So you know, even when I was studying, you know, I felt like I was studying things I was interested in, which makes it a heck of a lot easier.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it does. Yes, it does. So you. Um you Get a chiropractor degree, you're a doctor. Now you head off to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, open up your own uh, business. Uh, what is the name of your business? Yeah, your so the,
1: the office is Mobility Spine Rehab.
0: Okay, I'm glad to ask. because that it? Other way around? It's <laughs> a <laughs> bad I used to be a, a client there,
1: yep,
0: yep. which is that's how, how we met. <clears throat> so, where in the time frame did all of a sudden you decide? You know what? I want to be. A physique not so much a physique, but I want to get in shape or more shape than I already am, and become a competitor. I want to go on that stage. Yeah.
1: So that was um. It's kind of unique. I had always been kind of interested or intrigued in the whole bodybuilding thing, but I never wanted to look like a bodybuilder. And um, I had seen a national show that was here in, in Charleston and saw a division called the mm-hmm. men's physique division, which is where it's not like you know the the bikini bottoms and then the, all the posing and stuff. It's more like board shorts cover men's health type look. I was kinda of like, huh, like
0: Bill yeah, Heats or the Kai Greens or yeah, like no, that. Yeah, no, nothing like
1: that. So I was like, okay, that's something I might aspire to to look like or um I think I could do. And and I've always been, you know, into sports and competition and you know, tr- I was kinda of filling that void here with like flag football and softball. But, you know, it's just not the same, um, you know, after you, if you play big time ball and then you know, I was getting all these weird little nagging, annoyance type injuries, you know, and I can't be practicing or working on patients if I was sprained wrist. So it, it kind of like fit the bill. I was already looking after my diet with the type one and, and eating a, a certain type of way. Um, so, you know, cleaning the diet up and then, you know, having some structure, which I loved, um, and then just kind of bucket listing it and, and doing a show to see how I would do is how I got you know, into it originally
0: nice did you have to do anything different with your diet because of being type one when you started off with it or would you just kind of dive headfirst into it and kind of work yeah. with see what works for yourself see what doesn't work type of yeah deal? so you know it,
1: i i had like all the variables in my life really pretty controlled at that point so it was it was a lot like groundhog day a lot of times for me so to consider like switching up my diet and, and my workouts when i kind of had to figure out was difficult so it was a slow transition and, and really like I didn't do much diet wise uh, in, in the beginning I just kind of increased my workouts or the way I worked out and, and things along those lines and then make a little tweak here and there because you're worried that um, it's going to throw blood sugars I can become more insulin sensitive you have to take less and more insulin so now you have all these sliding scales that you have to consider and adjust and, and figure out um, which makes you know a, a pretty daunting or difficult prep even more daunting and difficult so um but i was up for the challenge and i, and I enjoyed the, the um i guess the science behind it as well
0: now did you have somebody there who was kind of telling you what your diet should be are we doing it all on your own <laughs> or were you just looking at magazines yeah. or uh, bodybuilding.com or we should say bodybuilding.com since you're what still muscle and strength
1: yeah, like yeah I do with muscle and strength and then uh supplement sponsor Allmax nutrition which is awesome. But, um, you know, I probably should have. Like, looking back now, um, you know, hiring a, a coach or someone that specializes in, like, competition prep would have been ideal. It would have saved me a ton of time and effort and, and silly research. But, you know, I'm a do-it-yourself do kind of guy. So I did uh, a lot of research on my own. My posing came from watching YouTube videos and, and picking a few people's brains. Um, I did had a friend who oh, competed before but not really men's physique, so I would kind of get some input. Um, from him and he was a huge help um and then uh yeah i definitely definitely did some stuff that uh i didn't realize when i started differently that i wouldn't do now but you know, that's part of the <laughs> learning process you know
0: yeah but did you did you not eventually find a coach to help you out with the especially with the posing or with so your diet i
1: actually had no um coach until after i i turned pro so in order to turn pro, you, you do a local show, and that can qualify you to do a national show. And um, I was lucky enough to turn pro on my second national show. And then from there, I didn't know the okay. landscape of the professional um, division whatsoever. Um, and I was, I mean, that might have been my last competition if I didn't win. I was just kind of curious how I do on you know a couple of national stages. So I had a few coaches kind of reach out to me um, after seeing me at the show, and then ended up using a coach, uh, Cash Goodry, um, for a little while. And then,
0: what was the name uh, of Cash
1: Goodry. Goodry. Yep.
0: Okay. Is he the guy out of Louisiana? out yep,
1: of Louisiana. And then um, okay. a guy here, uh, Trey Hodge, after. Um, at the same time, like I said, it, it's unique to me, Trey understands type ones um, pretty well, so that, that was why I kind of made the switch. But um, – yeah, it's just good to have another set of eyes and sounding board and, and that sort of thing. Because as simple as it seems, when you get on that level, there's so many little things that make a big difference. And you realize, like, okay, you can't cut corners with your cardio. You can't cut corners with the diet, um, water, salt manipulation, carb manipulation, um, color your shorts, your posing, how you turn, All these little things that I that you know, starting off, I I didn't think, I didn't think about. Because to me, I'm like Oh, you just throw some board shirts on you put your hand on your hip. You get some funky, ugly looking spray tan and you stand there and then they pick and <laughs> win. But uh, it's kind of interesting to see it. it's a lot more than that. And it's been really fun to watch the sport uh, grow in popularity. <laughs> One
0: of the funny that yeah, the spray spray tan,
1: I remember. I'll tell you. You can't scrub that stuff <laughs> off.
0: Mean that would be
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fucking laying down. T- How long did it take you to learn that, to just – simple little things like putting towels down in the bed so you don't get charged extra or cause your tan's going to wear or come off when you're
1: sleeping. Yeah. I mean, you, you do paying pay, pay, or you know, pay, pay them for them. the sheets in a hotel or you, you think on the fly or so, you know, more likely than not, you know, someone hopefully tells you like, Hey, you know, don't lay down on these white sheets um, in a freshly spray tan body, you know, so you try to wear long sleeves and stuff. And if you don't bring sheets, then, you know, you throw some towels down and, or something but yeah it's uh it's a process
0: yeah that was that was was funny to watch (laughs) i'm sorry so have you seen or felt any changes especially with your type one since you've been doing the physique competition i know you haven't competed for a little bit of time we're still doing the photo shoots you're still keeping yourself in physique shape yep do you, have you felt differences? Have you seen differences in your blood sugar and anything yeah, like that? Since absolutely. You, you know, the
1: more um, the more structured I am, you know, especially, and, that, and this is type, you know, this is type 1 diabetes across the board. The more structured you are and the more consistent you are and the more you analyze everything that you're doing, the better blood sugars you have. So that's kind of the cool thing, too, is it goes hand in hand with um, the control portion of it when, you know, your food is more weighed out or you're looking at the labels of carbs. That you're eating versus you know eating out, you kind of have to guesstimate a lot of times. Um, some restaurants you can look stuff up, but again, it's being prepared in the kitchen, so they're not weighing it necessarily, and there's human error. So that all comes into play. Um, and you know, keeping my body fat below a certain level keeps my insulin sensitivity higher. Um, I was just telling someone today, you know, when I do cardio even for you know a ten or fifteen minutes, it keeps insulin sensitivity better, so that I have a little more control. I can take a little less insulin.
0: You can go to Cheesecake Factory and kill a Cheesecake Factory. Kill you do
1: that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: get Again, L.A. That's right. <laughs> so, when was your? Where was your first NPC? I believe that's the the lower level. Yeah, so you, the NPC is the
1: National Physique Committee, and that's like the, the jump off point where you can do local shows. Um, in immense physique, it goes by like height class. And if you do well there, I think you have to place top three. Now top top two or top three in a national show to qualify. Top two. Yeah, top two in a national show to qualify yeah. to do. I'm sorry, in a local show, qualify to do a national show. Um And there's like, I think, like 10, 10 max, maybe less maybe seven or eight national shows. Um, Yeah. And now they've added some international shows. So there might be a little more opportunity. They just, they only give out so many cards at each show and it's kind of dependent on the size of the show and how long it's been around. So there's not a ton of chances to get it. And um, so, you know, you have to, you kind of have to plan accordingly. And I, I did the first two of the year um, after I thought I, you know, kind of figured it out and, and had a shot to, the place high enough and um yeah and the second one i mean with no expectation going in there to just have fun and um actually visit chicago and see my sister uh i caught a win oh, yeah I caught a win and um just kind of went from there
0: now was your first nbc show is that the uh excalibur, or yeah, the border excalibur or go
1: yep great show okay.
0: And the Border Clash is coming up here soon in uh, Columbia?
1: The Border Clash is in Aiken actually. Is that coming up soon? Is it Aiken. Right? Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. where I got Columbia. There's
0: really here. nothing that's out right, there, yeah. but
1: the show's great. Um, they they have a ton of sponsors, a ton of competitors. Now there's um, they actually have one pro division there, which is cool. Um, so that you know, nice. that brings some attention. And um, yeah, it's just done really well. It's a cool venue. And uh,
0: now, did I see somewhere that you were going to be, like, a guest out there, this this, this coming up one? Or did I read that wrong?
1: Like, sometimes I'll go, I like, I've helped with the posing seminar and stuff in the past. And um, sometimes they'll do, like, meet the pros. Um, so they've done that the past couple years, which is, which is kind of cool, you know, especially you can conversate with local competitors. And, and I like to have my brain picked. Um So anytime I can help someone out or give a little advice. Um, you know, I'm really, no,
0: you doing that? What you say?
1: Are you doing that this year? I don't know if they're doing meet the pros this year or not, but you know, I'm always there, and it, it's great because it's a it's a close knit community. So you, you run in the same crowd with a lot of the, the judges and the promoters, and you know, friends that I know that either go or compete now. Um, so it's kind of nice to enjoy the show from the, from a seat, you know, versus uh, from a yeah. seat on the stage. Different perspective.
0: Now, what was it like for you going into your first show with no role guidance? It seemed like you, you you look good, but you're going into your first show at Excalibur in Charleston. Yeah. Luckily, it's at home, so you don't worry about sheets. <laughs> but you're going into your first show. What was that like for you, both mentally, physically, emotionally? Yeah,
1: um, you know, I, I just kind of winged it, and, you know, I didn't um, – I was obviously – over. looking back, I was overly confident in, in how I looked and how well I thought I was going to do you know, um, which only served me for a very short period of time because as the, the stakes get higher, um, it gets more and more competitive. Like I said, I started out like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll work out a little more and, you know, you can ride genetics, um, you know, to some degree. Um, but nowadays it's, it's so competitive that like you got to be tight with the diet. You got to be on top of the cardio, you know, like if you want to be competitive, you know, um, but for me, I was just like, all right, let me put my best out there. Let me see if I can you know, bring out a little more definition than I have, and um, and I had some friends doing it, so it was just kind of like a, a fun thing. If anything, I was nervous because I didn't really, honestly, my biggest concern was there be pictures of me shirtless floating around, which, at this point now, there's <laughs> no looking really? back. I'm uh,
0: Google stalking you, and you're fucking everywhere yeah. now. Yeah, there's, there's
1: no going back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's always been my little uh, – being a dick to you sometimes when you were staying at my house yeah. briefly. Always walking around my house with your shirt
1: off. Maybe you would have kept the heat down. Also so damn hot in there.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm interested. Um, about – I know – uh I think I was 16 when you went yeah. to the Arnold. Yep. Kind of uh, – I don't think you qualified but you made the invitation yeah list. so it was
1: a cool experience i mean you're on the stage that you know the the greats that have won the arnold and stuff have, have been on and and it's a it's a it's a really well done stage they have the arnold bronze medallion in the back and it's lit really well and you have um a super professional environment and then you have the massive expo around it where there's you know throughout the weekend 100 Two hundred thousand people coming and going for not just the the bodybuilding, but all sorts of uh, sports and stuff too, which was cool. Um, and then kind of yeah, following yeah, that yeah, up yeah. through that year with uh, a string of pro shows um, to try to qualify to do the Olympia, um, which Olympia is the super right. really the Super Bowl of the sport. So where
0: would so where would the Arnold classify then? I know you said the the, uh, the Olympia is the Super Bowl of the sport. Does the Arnold still hold? Excuse well, me, yeah, there's a ton, there's a, a ton of here.
1: prestige and it's a huge accomplishment to, to do the Arnold to do you know so well or, or play so high at the Arnold. Um, I would almost think of it as like uh, a high bidded bowl game, you know, not the national championship, okay. but it's like the top bowl game next. But yeah. Like the Rose Bowl. Okay. But what, I
0: remember that, that, that weekend, cause I went up there to support you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because yeah. uh,
0: they live in, the, in the Charleston. Yeah, they live in the Charleston at the time. And so we are up there, but I remember there was just such a long, drawn out. We had to wait, mm-hmm. and, you had to wait, oh, and yeah. you had to wait, and you had to wait, and you had to wait. They really had a time for you, but that time came and went because there were still two or three classes behind i think we had the bikini which we had to wait for then we had the women physique which we had to oh wait yeah for. It's, a, it's a it's a hurry so up on... and
1: wait um game i mean the nice thing is most of the pro events now um whether they're uh, just a pro show or a pro amateur like they'll they'll start on time your division will go about when they say um but there's just okay so many variables in a big show like that um because there's okay. the arnold amateur going on as well too. I believe they yeah. use that stage for a percentage of the day. So the amount of competitors and stuff can vary prior and, you know, prolong things.
0: So they kind of fixed that. Cause I just remember being there and you were waiting and yeah. other people were waiting and it just like, God, and, and then the cl- a class would come up right before yours. I think it was, and they had like 80 fucking competitors <laughs> and they're trying to jam all 80 people onto the stage. And I was like, Wow. What does someone like you, who you have to look lean, you have to look cut, and you're sitting there? And I mean, I'm assuming you're starving. I'm assuming you're thirsty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where? You know, what is there any like little tricks that you learned, or is it now it's well? They fixed this issue. I no longer have to sit there dying because they're two and a half hours. I know later. you
1: sit there dying. It depends. If you if you look if you look good and, and you don't want anything to change, you just sit there dying. <laughs> Um, but if your, your physique starts fading, you start to flatten out maybe you add some carbs, you know, if you're starting to feel sick, okay, maybe I'll add a little water or something back in, but it all depends. Like I said, these are all knobs on the physique, uh, control board, if you will, that you can turn up or down, you know, add some salt, pull some fat, all these things that, um, seem really, you know, minuscule in the grand scheme of things. But when you're. At that point, and your body fat is that low, it makes a difference. You know, you have, you know, twenty grams of uh, Skittles before you go on stage. You know, it can make you pop a little more. You know,
0: how many Skittles is twenty that's grams? A good
1: question. Yeah, I have to look in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, normally you, you wouldn't. It wouldn't make a difference. You wouldn't see the difference yeah. if your your body fat was, you know, normal.
0: Do you have a routine now that you go through? I seem like that. I think that year was kind of a, a whirlwind for you because you started off NPC and it seemed like you ripped off several wins right away. But I think you kind of you struggled in the nationals. If I if I remember serves me correct, uh, you went to Miami, didn't place as high, but you went to Chicago and got your card in Chicago.
1: Uh, so I won. I won on I'm my um, local shows, and then I did my first national show. I did it here in Charleston, and I. I can't remember exactly. I think I got ninth place, which I was ecstatic about. I was like, well, sweet, like top 10. There's a lot of great competitors It's super competitive. Uh, but I got a lot of feedback from, you know, not just friends, but strangers and, and random coaches and pro coaches saying like, hey man, I don't know what the heck happened with that show. Like the judging was crazy. You know, we thought, you know, when we saw you on stage that you were going to win the whole show. And in me, in my head, like, I mean, I had never been to that point from a physique standpoint. I was kind of like, Oh, that's cool. But, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see it, you know, cause you don't always see yourself the same. And um, so that had me thinking, I was like, huh, maybe I could, there's another show coming up. And that was Chicago. And I was like, my sister's in Chicago. I was actually picking this truck up that I was buying from Michigan. So my, my dad was going to bring it to Chicago and I was going to drive it back to South Carolina. So that was one of the reasons I even did that show um, in hopes of, Hey, maybe I could get a top five. That'd be really cool. I so was top five. And then, um, like I said, I was able to able to win it. That so was cool.
0: Okay, so what the hell? Did you go to Miami for? Yeah, Is Miami was, was a pro
1: show. Um, the Miami Muscle Beach, and I I took uh, second at that show. Yep.
0: Nice. It seemed like you're, you're ripping them off pretty good after you first got your pro card, and then I think I don't know if you just got overzealous because I know you, you did a show here in Sacramento. You went to yeah, LA, so, and you know you're in like a points
1: race, place. kind of like NASCAR or something. So. If you at that point yeah, in time, if you right, won a show, doing, yeah. you qualified to go and compete at the Olympia, and or if you were top, I can't, remember, I think top five in points. So like I was like really close in points, so I was trying to make it via points, and um, and or win a show, and I I came up short um, on both. I was one place short. Um, yeah, I felt,
0: I felt like you got robbed <laughs> in L.A. It might be me being biased, but I think I felt like you got robbed in LA and I kind of felt like you got the short end of the stick at the arm. Yeah. Gym. I mean,
1: my whole thing was, is I'm, no. I'm like, you know, there, there is some facial recognition and, and people know certain competitors and stuff. And it's like anything, maybe you favor someone that you've seen before or has a history of competing. So it's kind of hard to come out of the, the shadows necessarily and, um, trump some of those people, um, even though it should kind of work that way, it doesn't, it doesn't always, but you know, you have to go in that with the mindset that, Hey, this is a subjective sport and I'm going to do my best, put my best out there and the rest is in someone else's hands, you know, and you can't take it personal, you know, like, Hey, I have dark hair. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the head judge thinks blonde hair looks better, you know, like it could be something non-related and maybe not even something that they realize that they're biased towards, you know, so it's, it's just one of those things that you, uh, you do your best and then you try to you know, grow from the preparation side.
0: Is that one of the biggest knocks as a competitor is the subjectiveness of all the competitions? Because you can go in there looking, you no know, a 10, but it be not by yeah. a 6 just because a judge doesn't like your shorts or something. Is that – I mean, you said you can't take it personal, but it has to be disheartening in some way, shape, or form. So is that like the – like a, a gripe among the competitors because there isn't a set you have to look like this, you need to stand like this type of steel type of deal. It's whatever the judges you have, whatever they're yeah. It, that it's, day. There's
1: definitely, in my opinion, maybe a little more variance than there should be. Now there is criteria that's defined um, for each division, but you have to realize like a lot of these guys, these judges, they've been judging forever, and these are guys that have been judging bodybuilding, right? So they, they might have a bias mm-hmm. for bodybuilders. So although it's not the same criteria as men's physique, they might like the guy that's a little bit, you know, too big for physique. But they like that look because they're like, okay, this is more along the lines of what I'm used to. Um, Whereas, in my opinion, if, if we could create more of a objective scoring scale where you get points from like muscularity, conditioning, front pose, back pose, overall presentation, then, you know, you would actually have something that you can look back on and something that would actually, you know, be a physical number um that you could compare after and say okay everyone marked me high on muscularity but you know my conditioning everyone marked me low on my conditioning i need to work on conditioning for next show you know that's why i got beat sort of thing whereas this other guy got higher marks on conditioning okay. right uh whatever that total score may be that that would be ideal in my opinion um but that's just
0: what is conditioning in physique? I mean, I think of conditioning as somebody who is running or doing oh. the uh, Tabata or something. What is conditioning for
1: physique? So is it, it's just mainly like um, bringing out more definition, prim- primarily in, the, in like the midsection. So being able to see abs and yeah. usually like some obliques, um, you know, bringing out like the the serratus lines and stuff. Um, that that's. How can kind I of describe conditioning?
0: Okay, uh, we are here with Doctor Brad Conn, a good friend of mine. Just wanted to reiterate who the <laughs> hell we're talking to. Um, team All Max athlete, by the way. I should not forget that part. Yeah, you, should, part. you
1: hit up for some um, some money, man, and you can put their advertisement in there. <laughs> no, they make they make awesome products. Yeah, talk- actually, really good, high quality stuff. Um,
0: yeah, I haven't had him yet. No, we're not going to talk about that. Uh-huh. What happened there? Because I don't know. I don't know what the heck happened between your guy and myself. I don't know where. I just keep wrong. I, I
1: just keep. It, I just keep forgetting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I send you shit all the time. <laughs> I see how it is.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, Doctor Brett John, type one diabetic competitor, college football guy. Unfortunately, it's, you had <laughs> to quit doing that. But you're a chiropractor as well, right now. For somebody who. Is type one who just found out they're type one who is kind of lost in a direction? i seem like you still had an idea where you wanted to go. Is there any advice you would give that young person? Because I mean, I'm assuming most times you find out you're type one as a young individual, not so much as an older individual. Is there something you can give some advice you can give them so they don't feel so, oh shit, I'm mm-hmm. type one, my world is yeah, over? Yeah, well, I mean, because you didn't seem like you were in there, but you were more happy that you found. Out, what would the problem i'd was. say you know
1: life's all perspective right and you know it doesn't have to necessarily be type one you could be diagnosed with Crohn's, or you know you have lost a job or like any anything that's you know negative in effect right um but you know you you could spin it differently right you could spin it in a more positive direction um i was thinking of this one story i like to tell where it's you know i, I believe it's like a some chinese farm and this man has a stable of horses and one of the horses runs off and his neighbor, you know, comes over and says to him, you know, Hey, I saw you lost your horse. He's like, that stinks, man. I'm so sorry. And, and this gentleman says, well, you know, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. And guy kind of scratches his head, He's like, You he just lost the horse. Why, how could that be good? Right. In, in no sense you would think it was good. Uh, well, like a, a few days later, that horse leads back four or five horses. Right. So now the name's like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy that the horse brought these other horses back. Like, congratulations. He says the same thing. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. So, you know, he's thinking like, well, how could that be bad? Like, you have all these extra horses. This is what you want. Well, his son's riding one of those horses, gets bucked off, breaks his leg. Same thing. I saw your son fall. He broke his leg. I'm so sorry. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Um, and the countries were at war at that time, and they were pretty much recruiting young men to go to the front lines and, and, and probably, probably die, right? So they come to recruit his son, but he's got this broken leg, so he can't go. And it just kind of continues. So I, I think when you have that perspective on life, you know, any situation, you know, is a situation or something that may work in your favor or may not. You know, I've actually um, had a lot of opportunities to, you know, help other type ones and better understand the disease myself. Um, because I've I've chosen to do so. But if you choose to, you know, be a Debbie Downer about it, it's going to get you down, you know. Not saying that it's not easy, but I would say to to young people out there, um, you know, matter what you're going through is, A, accept full responsibility for it because it's your responsibility to take care of yourself always. You know, you can't expect someone else to do it for you. Um, B, you know, don't, don't shy away from, you know, being who you are and telling people what you have, you know, like I did, um, originally and then three, um, just make the best of it, you know, cause the thing is like, you gotta be here anyway, right? You have to, you have to do life anyway. So, you know, you might as well do it without the increased concern and stress and stuff on your shoulders. Um, and if you get there, which people do just realize that, Hey, you know, maybe I'm in a negative headspace or a, a not so happy place, but I know at some point in time, hopefully sooner than later, I'll be through that and I'll be in a better place. And the sun's going to again. And I'm going to be happy, you know? So just, just having that in the back of your head versus focusing with the blinders on how you feel and what's going on at that moment on that day.
0: No, that's a good message. I mean, you, you could have just went into a dark place and, said screw it once you found out you're type one I mean, then again granted you, you did find out it was not cancer and something worse but you still could have gone into that dark place so there's early good message to the to everybody it doesn't matter like you said it doesn't matter if you have type one or if you have Crohn's or whatever it's you still gotta move on yeah, you're still yeah, here absolutely. i
1: mean, it's like still you know you can either you know live well and live with it or you know let it let it hold you down and now i'm not saying like i didn't have you know thoughts and concerns and you know, bend in a negative headspace, but try not, I try not to stay there. Pull myself out as quick as possible, right? And then the more you do that, the more second nature it is, you know, and the less it bothers you. Yeah.
0: What do you recommend for somebody who's trying to get into the – this competitive field of fitness, such as physique, bodybuilding, bikini, of uh, uh, Fit the hell's, another one is another one. I
1: can't think
0: Classic, of something. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's like physique is something else for the ladies besides but, bikini.
1: Yeah, Fitness. so the, it goes is bikini, and then it goes figure, and then it goes women's physique in terms of like size almost, almost like going up the ladder. Well, I think one, it's like clearly define your goal. Right. You know, where would you like to compete, or, or what body would you realistically like to work towards? And then two, you know be realistic enough to realize, like, it, it takes some time. You know, it's like Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, and ask yourself, are you ready to commit to that time? And are you ready to commit to some of that sacrifice, you know, too? Because so it might be, hey, I, you know, I'm not eating birthday cake on my birthday because I have a show in four days or, you know, having drinks with friends and, and those sorts of things. Um, but just asking questions and getting your feet wet and, you know, not being too concerned with, placing or or winning or how are you going to do the first time just getting out there and saying, Hey, do I like this experience? You know, is it something I want to do again? And can I, um, do it in a a manner that I'm happy with my body and I'm not going to create this, um, feeling that I'm always comparing myself to others because, because that's part of it too, you know? Yeah.
0: I always see this, um, Instagram post, and it's on Facebook too yeah. of a guy it, it's a drawing, it's a meme ish, but you have a guy he's built and he's looking at himself in the mirror and in the mirror he sees a skinny
1: yep. rail
0: of a person, but in real life he is mm-hmm. bodybuilder shape, you know, he's built and I've, I always see that and it's I wonder if I mean, I wonder, how, do you you don't seem like the type of person that has that
1: Yeah, it's body, like body dysmorphic this, disorder, what they call it um. But yeah, I mean, it's a very, very real thing and, and it works, you know, in every level that there is, you know, there's um, people that they might be in a, in a physique or have a body that a lot of people would, would love to have, but that person might be very insecure, very concerned about how they look. They might be obsessing about, you know, the smallest thing, right? Um, you know, whereas someone else, you know, they might be... You know they they don't have the, the same look or whatever. But if that person is comfortable in their own skin and they're happy with themselves, right? You know who's winning. To me, it's the person that you know is comfortable in their own skin. Um, and and when you get deep into the prep, you have to kind of walk this balance between the subjective measurement and like the objective measurements. You know, like okay, what do they want for stage? Do I need that? Do I not need that? Like how can I get close to what they want? But I'm not going to put my value on. A placing, or 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 comparing myself to someone else because it can get, be very easy to do that. You know, there is only one of all of us. Yeah. You know, and every one of us has something unique and special, mm-hmm. and a gift, and something cool that we can offer the world. You know, it doesn't. We don't all have to offer the same thing. You know.
0: No, I agree 100. Um, percent. There is this. Everybody has, like you said. I mean, people look at themselves in a different light than what is really out there, and like the meme those are talking about. I mean, the guy sees himself as a real, but in reality, he's a fit individual. And you know, see if you're in a positive mind, what's the best place to be? Sometimes from a guy who's always (laughs) dark. So, where can we find you? What are you going to be doing next? You're going to be doing any competitions? I know it's been a little bit of time. I think I heard a small rumor that you might do one, but are you deciding that you're just done competing? You're just going to do the modeling and article things or what are you going to be doing That's in this? That's a good
1: question. I mean, in, in terms of like the fitness industry stuff, like, you know, I'm still immersed in it I, and work with my sponsors, do some stuff for them, kind of gearing up uh, some of the, the coaching again in terms of bringing some, some clients and on in uh, 2019 and trying to help them, you know, navigate the sport and, and help them um, get on stage. Um, and then for myself, you know, it's definitely a, a feeling thing. Cause like I said, there's a lot of sacrifice there. And I love the structure and, and that of it. Um, so if I do another show next year, it would probably be something to where It's an international show, somewhere cool, somewhere competitive, and you know, I'll I'll do like a run of like one, or two, one or two shows, um, see if I can better my last, and um, then stay a little bit after, you know, like a make a vacation, make a trip out of it, kind of a, you know, stop and smell the roses tour. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes when you're competitive in nature you're just like compete, compete, compete. And you, you go somewhere cool, but you don't see anything. So so that that's kind of yeah. where I see myself stepping back in if I step back in. Nice.
0: So, I mean, like Sacramento or San Francisco?
1: Not, not, that, not, Anyways. not that exotic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, I do like the West Coast um, uh, competitions. I like the physiques that they favor there.
0: Um, where can we – you talk about – the coaching and whatnot. I think you started back up your online coaching yeah. again. Yeah. So I'll, oh God, I don't to like it. advertise
1: it a ton, and, and I'll try to take on a handful of people yeah. at a, at a time every now and then. Um, but the easiest way to to connect with that would just to be to go to my Instagram, which is just my name Brett Kahn, B R E T T K A H N, and then um, send a message through there.
0: Okay. Is that the only, uh, social media you do blast everything you want to blast social media? Yeah, websites, no, no I don't know how to your business. My,
1: my, my social fitness funnel, if you will. So I just kind of keep it all there. Um, you know, and that's more of a snapshot of, you know, the fitness side of my life, not necessarily like me as a whole and, and everything that I do or that I'm into. Um, you know, I try to keep certain private life stuff, private, and then, you know, the fitness stuff, that's, it's a, um, a venue or a vehicle to hopefully inspire others and, and put some educational things out there, and, you know, um, help out the, the sponsors and stuff that helped me in the sport.
0: Now, do you have pictures with your shirt off, I'm yeah. assuming, on your I know, I know that's professional? What,
1: I, know, I know that's what you're you looking it, <laughs> yes, exactly. it, it It is.
0: <laughs> It really is. I'm looking at a picture of you with the muscle and strength with the Oh, yeah, the turkey right
1: yeah. yeah. I love that. I, I try to pull that up every year.
0: That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do see something here. Um, I don't – we haven't touched on it yet. I'm looking I'm, – I'm Instagram stalking you right now. Uh, Mighty Meals. Is that something you're still involved with? Yeah, Mighty or Meals is can awesome you, meal if it a is, company. They're, they're out healthy.
1: of Cali, um, although I'm not in California. I was – I used them when I was out there and really loved their stuff. And uh, – Mark the owner um, really hooked me up and actually would, sh- would ship the food all the way here, um, you know, for me when, when I needed it, when I'm competing and stuff and right now I'm not. Um, so I, I try not to, to bug them too much for the good stuff, but, um, but yeah, that's, the, that's one thing that if you can find a good meal prep company, like Mighty Meals, if you're in the California area, or if you can um, find something similar to that, you want to do a show. It takes a lot of um, a lot off your shoulders in terms of the, the meal prep and stuff because it can be cumbersome if you're eating that quantity of food and needing to cook that frequently.
0: Yeah, I bet. I mean, anybody who's had plenty of time to watch <clears throat> meal prep shows about a bodybuilder, or Phil Heath, or um, shooting the Juji Mufu guy, the guy who does the splits yeah. with the weights over his head, and meal preps a lot. Of, yep. They all meal prep so. There's something like money meals. That's awesome. I think it's really cool thing to have. And I'm glad you're hooked up with them. Hopefully if you decide to do a competition next year, you Absolutely. have something set up. So that'd be great. So again, what is, if you liked, uh, this is a perfect opportunity for you to advertise your practice there in Charleston. And I have a couple people who are in Charleston oh, cool. who are subscribers cool, cool. and hopefully there are more people coming. to the show. please do advertise yourself. Yeah, advertise I your mean, company.
1: We've been lucky, you know, like, you know, guys like yourself or, or patients and, and people that we've seen locally have, have really been our advertising. It, it's You know, if anything I could say is that um, it's very word of mouth, you know, so like we don't really do a ton of advertising um, because we're, we're lucky enough to have patients refer people and stuff. Um, and, and that's like the, the greatest nice. compliment I think um, I could get is when someone sends, you know, Someone that they know, that's a friend or a family member, a loved one, to to come in, Um, and and we do, you know, a ton with with athletes and people in the fitness industry and stuff too. Just naturally being, you know, in that environment in a sport, a lot of those competitors will gravitate towards um, the office because we do stuff like grad in and active release, and I could go on and on about that as well as rehab and things along those lines. So um, so we you kind of fit a wide demographic. You know, from wellness-type patients to, to people overcoming uh, injuries or back problems or what have you.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean, you, I think I had you walked in. I had walked in with shoulder sure. issues in between you and yeah. um, Kathy. Uh, for those don't know, Kathy was a, a massage, physical therapist. Yep, yep. No, wait, massage therapist that Brett had in his office. Um, so between you guys, I think Dan had other issues too. Oh, you have, office.
1: I you I have a lot of issues. I a calf
0: issue and a hip issue. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I mean, that's yeah, just physical, yeah. not the mental stuff. No, either. But yeah,
1: that's the thing. If you have know, a bone joint <laughs> ligament, you know, um, and it's structural or physical in nature, and it's, you know, at a certain point, we can usually help.
0: Yep. Awesome. So if you guys are in Charleston, I know it's word of mouth. So there's probably like two people listening to this, minus people that are going to listen to Brett because <laughs> they know Brett. And thank you for those soon to be subscribers, by the way. I'm assuming I'll get a couple. Dr. Brett Kahn, Team Max, What is your Instagram, once again, for everybody who can go on there and yeah, uh, uh, Instagram stalk you? Yeah, my name, Brett, you.
1: B-R-E-T-T, and then uh, K-A-H-N.
0: So do you have a Twitter handle or a Facebook or anything like that? that I'm, you want to good. Or you I'm good. you I'm good.
1: That's it, man. I, that, that's all I got. One, one is too much work. <laughs> is enough. But, uh, <laughs> but I do try to post stuff fairly frequently on there and um, probably put more stuff on the, the Insta story and stuff now. Yeah. Um, that I
0: nice. Yeah, I heard you got a really cool shirt you that? should be posting. I heard you got a really cool shirt. Yeah, today yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm going to throw that up there. Some of the California <laughs> sweating um, gears also. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I just had to make a little stab in there. Well, again, thank you very, very much for doing this. You were the first guest interview. That I have done, and we ran into a couple issues, but we mm-hmm. figured them out. Thank you so much for being patient and dealing with my <laughs> harassing texts. I learned a lot. I hope the people learned a lot as well. Again, I'm looking forward to hoping you. I hope you do comp- competitions, man. I really, really do. I love going and watching you compete. Even though they felt like they were pulling needles out of my eyes, waiting for yeah, you sure. to get up there sometime. I'm
1: sure it'll, pro- it'll probably and happen again. Know. I'll get I'll get the itch. What I do, you'll be the first to know.
0: I, pre- I appreciate it. Once again, Dr. Brett Kahn, Team Allmax. You heard his Instagram a couple times, Brett. Thank you very, very much for coming on the Cathartic Podcast. I can't thank you enough.
1: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. It, it's definitely cool. I'm excited to uh, you know listen to this and then listen to some of your other ones and, and stuff as well too, and then also see where see where it goes from here.
0: Yeah, don't think too hard when you listen to the other ones. I give us some rants that are not good. <laughs> Uh, So before we close out this particular podcast, again, thank you for everybody listening for the thousandth time. Thank you, Mr. Brett Kahn, Dr. Brett Kahn. Um, Please, 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 now is the time of year. I've talked about this several times before. The Resilience Butte County Proud IPA is going to be dropping here soon nationwide. For those of you who don't know what it is, I know we just had a fitness talk, but this is very, very near and dear to my heart. This particular IPA, which is a beer for all of you who are super – it was created by Sierra Nevada to create a fund for the Campfire Relief Fund. For those who don't so those of you who don't know what the Campfire Relief Fund is, we had really big fires up here. 100 over 168,000 acres were burned down. Almost 100 people lost their lives. 14,000 uh, residential homes and buildings were destroyed. Sierra Nevada created this beer specifically for the Campfire uh, Relief Fund. All proceeds from the purchase of Resilient Butte County Proud IPA go towards the Relief Fund. I know a couple breweries have released them recently, and I know a huge chunk are going to be releasing starting this weekend, which is December 17th, going all the way through the end of December. Over 1,400 breweries nationwide, not just here in California, but nationwide are brewing this beer. So please, please, please go out and get it. You don't have to drink it, but just the funds going towards a really good cause, helping the people rebuild their lives. I would greatly appreciate it. Even if you hate me, if you hate this podcast, please go out and at least support these people in that form. And again, if you don't like beer, just pick them up and give it to somebody who you like for Christmas. I would greatly appreciate it. I know everybody up in Butte County would greatly appreciate it as well. So once again, thank you very, very much, Brett, for doing my podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go out, fucking dominate the world, and enjoy your lives.